Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 161 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. That's right, folks. The Death Star is operational. Well, somewhat operational. New headquarters here at uh, the fourth line. New fourth line voice offices here in. Uh, we have made the move. We are now fully moved into the house. The condo is gone, and uh, yeah, getting used to the uh, the new surroundings. Uh, there might be a little bit of an echo here, as the room is pretty much empty that I'm sitting in, other than the uh, computer here, my big desktop computer with my big. I got that set up. I got the computer desk set up, uh, bookshelf in shambles behind me, and 
about five cardboard boxes in here, uh, full of, full of, uh, assorted, well, most people would probably call junk. Some of the fight fans out there might dig some of this stuff though. But, um, welcome. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, little, it feels like I've, I haven't done this in a long time. It's only been a week, but it feels like forever. Um, how's it going out there, guys? Yeah, it was, um, the end of November here. I'm recording on the 30th of Tuesday and, um, you can believe 25 days till Christmas. Unbelievable. I mean, we are in no way ready for it. I laugh we, when we're moving into the house here. Of course, the entire block's got like Christmas lights and everything up. We look like the Grinches. It's just dark in our place. Um, I, I think the, the, the previous owners left us a couple of like candy canes and like do little light up trees for the stairs. So, and I think I have a, I have a wooden sign that says, uh, I hope Santa stops here or something from the condo from years ago that I bought at Dollarama, a little reindeer, wooden reindeer sign. Um, that, that's the extent of our Christmas this year. I don't think we'll be putting lights up. We got other, we got other things to do, but, uh, um, yeah, I wanted to, uh, like I said, I, I don't think this, this episode will be, uh, too, very long, but I just wanted to, um, well, make sure everything's hooked up and working. And, uh, just wanted to get back to you guys, talk to you guys, let you know what's going on out there. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a sec. Um, well, if you think, I guess for this episode, um, uh, I do have a couple topics that I do want to talk about. Um, I want to say I really appreciate, I, like I've, I've mentioned on the show before and I've done on these episodes where you do the, I do the list episodes. I think the last episode was the, uh, top 10 Bruins of all time and the, they had the Flyers before that and done the Washington Capitals and I think Montreal Canadiens. I'm thinking all of all the teams we've done. Um, and the, I know those episodes are really well received and I know, um, you guys really like those and I, and I enjoy doing them. And to be completely honest, it's, I mean, it's an easy episode to do, especially when you're sort of stuck for topics or haven't had time or whatever. Um, which is like obviously right now, um, uh, if you guys ever come across, uh, topics that, uh, that you want me to talk about or whatever or you think would be cool for the show, um, email them to me uh, or send them a private message or whatever on, Twitter, send me the link, um, <clears throat> or just, oh, hey, you should talk about this, you know, whatever, that's, it, I, I, like I always say, it's your guys' show, and I mean, it helps me out, and gives me some ideas, because sometimes you just sit here, and it's like, oh, man, this is, I'm, I'm just drawing a blank, and like I said, this last week, I haven't been paying any attention to anything really going on, I've really been on social media, um, other than when we were kind of driving back and forth, um, you know, I'd have a look now and again, but I mean, I haven't been to work or, um, I haven't taken the last five days off. Well, I guess weekend, but then three other days, but, um, yeah. So, and like I said, we just been, we've been moving this whole time. So, but now that we're in the house full time and, uh, now all that's left really is unpacking. Um, you know, I can kind of get back, slowly get back into the swing of things and, uh, and we'll, we'll get back at it. Um, it, I, to be completely honest, it, it probably won't be until the, like, I mean, I'll be doing episodes from here on out, like the Wednesday, Sunday, like I always been doing, but I think it, it probably won't be until the new year when I really start cooking with some interviews and stuff. I've talked to a bunch of guys. I mean, like with Christmas going on and Christmas concerts and all that stuff. I mean, obviously people are really busy. Um, so I think it'll be a lot of solo episodes in December. Maybe not. But, um, like, I mean, if guys are willing to come on and they have time, I'll certainly interview them. Um, but I have a few 
sort of quote unquote, I don't want to big names. Not that the other guys aren't big names, but these guys are like you know, NHL veteran guys and and whatever. And you guys will dig it. And I've talked to them, and and they're excited to for for uh, to to get on the show. So I'm really hoping to bring that in the new year. And and like I've said, uh, now that we're here, and like when I get unpacked and get all set, um, I really have some plans. I really want to um, kind of really grow the. Um, the YouTube page is kind of really what I what I'd really like to do as well. I've sort of neglected it the last couple of months. I mean, I'd play it, spin a DVD, but most of my DVDs are in my parents' basement, like packed away or whatever. So as I'm slowly unpacking them here, I can get back into at least uploading some fights. But there's some um, kind of some creative uh, stuff I want to do. Uh, maybe sound bites from different interviews that I've had with guys mixed in with the fights that we're talking about and and uh, at that. And there's this. Um, it kind of really inspired me. It was a boxing channel. Um, there was a couple, Rummy's Corner and uh, BL, uh, Boxing Live Extra. And, and they kind of do these just, um, oh, what's the other guy? Rich, the boxing historian. I'm really, I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of really getting into the boxing. And, uh, and he was just kind of, he just does these little, you know, 10, 10 minute bios on kind of, I don't want to no-name fighters, but just kind of, like, I mean, everybody, old oh, Tyson, Hagler, Spinks, Sugar Ray, you know, everybody remembers these guys. This guy's kind of the underground, like, you know, guys from Kronk's Jam or stuff like that, that maybe flew it, flew under the radar. I mean, hardcore, I'm not a hard, hardcore boxing guy. I mean, I enjoy boxing, but I, I mean, I'm not going to start naming off all the, you know, the bantamweight champions from the last decade or anything. But, um, I was really getting into the boxing channels on YouTube and they really inspired me in a, in a hockey fight sense that, um, you know, maybe do some, you know, do a John, John Morasti biography and like add some pictures and some fights and, and stuff like that. And just a, just a little 10 minute deal. And I, I don't know, I, I, I want to try stuff like, like I've never done anything like that. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, uh, find a video program and, and, and just, uh, you know, something different creatively. And, uh, I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, you know, and if they, and you know, and if they're, you know, they're, they're, it sucks and I won't, uh, I won't continue. But, uh, uh, as far as the YouTube goes, but, uh, with the biography stuff, but, uh, I'll always upload fights, but, um, and I have some really cool DVDs and I have some footage that I think you guys will really dig. And like I said, once I get them dug out here and set up and we'll get into that for sure. But, um, yeah, I apologize. I don't know if there, I, like I said, I'll have to go back and listen. <clears throat> if there's an echo in here, I'm sure there is because the room's fairly, I have to get a throw rug or something to kind of, I think, deaden the sound and get some stuff on the walls. And like I said, we've, I've literally moved everything in two days, three days ago. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, bear with me if there's a bit of an echo while you're listening. I'm trying to talk quietly. I'm not trying to raise my voice. Yeah. So I'm trying to talk softly but uh so there isn't too much of an echo but um uh yeah guys um i'm sort of all over the place sorry i'm, I'm I, as i'm talking i'm sort of looking around the room wondering what i'm going to unpack first and what have you but uh and i've stopped and started this a couple times and restarted it and um oh i said what i was gonna oh the topics of today's show anyway somebody had sent me a while ago uh a list of the top 20 not, not the top 10 but the top 20 Toronto Maple Leaf fighters of all time. So, uh, we'll check in. I'm not, and that's the thing. That's another thing when these guys send the links, I never look at them because I always want to open them up, uh, the link on the air or, or while I'm recording 
And so you get an honest reaction from me. So I haven't looked at it or anything. He just sent me the link. So I will click on that when we, when we get going on that. And, uh, we'll see who the top, who these cats think the top 20 fighters in leaf history are. Um, also, I kind of want to talk about this. Um, <clears throat> I did notice on the, there was a couple late nights or, you know, couple times the bathroom reading when I'm on my phone and I was kind of just scrolling through the Facebook pages, Facebook fight groups, you know, those fight groups where everyone hates fighting. And, um, and there's this thing with like Probert. Um, I, I I don't know. I'll get this. Oh, he had an advantage and all this, this horse shit. I don't know when this all started, but uh, I will get into that um, shortly. Um, but first, um, well, uh, I have a few thank yous and stuff too. But uh, I'll, I'll get it. I, I'll get into the sponsors first because they're the guys paying the bills. But uh, no, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. And of course, they're you know with the season rolling and everything, they're hot and heavy. So. I mean, they're banging out content left and right. So, like I said, whatever team you're a fan of, check them out. For my off-network friends, of course, I've got Mud Show part-time only down there in Florida. Always going to Everblade Games. He's a man of the people. Oh, well, now all of a sudden he's taking another break. Like I said, part-time only. Yeah. Always oh, going hunting or he's going to go play laser tag in the woods or something. I don't know what he's talking about. But, uh, yeah, who knows with that guy. He, uh, he comes and goes. He's like a fart in a blanket. But, uh, you know. I will say though, um, I, w- I want to congratulate Alec though. In all seriousness, um, he has actually signed on with the um, what is it now? The six, the uh, six pack coverage uh, network. They're a new uh, media network starting up. I believe uh, one of the co-owners is former NFL uh, player Albert Hainsworth, and uh, yeah, and that, and that's really that's really cool. And I like. Uh, you know, that's uh, great for Alec, and I hope that uh, they treat him well over there, and it really works out. I know for their, kind of their website and their media shots, uh, they had the different, because they do a number of different football and baseball, blah, blah, blah. They do all the different sports, and Alec's kind of, Alec is going to kind of be their hockey guy. But, uh, oh yeah, there he is, to, you know, gets his picture with the with the Laval Chiefs jersey on. I mean, you know, hey, if, if you're going to just come with tell me your show's low brow without telling me it's low brow there that picture right there oh geez yeah we'll see what that uh we'll we'll see what the listeners think of that but uh no it's um congratulations alec it's cool man um really happy for you hope they treat you right and you and you can get uh get some money out of those out of those cats and uh yeah and, and that's really cool to see. And, uh, yeah, and like I said, Alec has a tremendous back catalog. Uh, Yablonski, Rob Ray, Frank Bialois, on and on. And uh, definitely encourage you to, to uh, check that out. Also, oh, Broadway Joe Lazito. Oh, I'll get this. Give it Lazito. Oh, it sounds good in here when I do it. But, uh, yeah, working out of Madison Square Gardens, the world-famous Madison Square Garden. Jolton Joe, the man in New York, Broadway Joe. Um, it's a New York Islander enforcer based podcast called the Coliseum Chronicles. Oh, I'm, I don't know. There could be some blue shirt. Uh, I don't know. Babble banter. I think there already is a show called blue shirt banter. So maybe we'll call it blue shirt banter. I don't know. I think Joe's starting to get on the fence here. He's just going to be a New York guy. 
you know, working. At, you know, he's in enemy territory right now at MSG, so we'll see what happens. But uh, no, Joe's got a tremendous back catalog as well. Fakoda, Gillies, um, Eric Bolton, Asham, on and on. And like I said, Joe's Joe's been around. He knows he knows the game, and uh, he he used to write for the Tough Guy magazines. It was uh, helped out Stan Fisher on those old Bad Boys books. My older listeners will know what I'm talking about. Uh, was took part. Was it one of the uh, picked the photos and stuff and had a huge hand in the old Fleer hockey card throwbacks uh, set that came out with lots of tough guys in it. And uh, yeah, Joe has been around the uh, fight game for a long time. And so I highly encourage you to check out his show um, if you're an Islander fan and perhaps even a Ranger fan. I mean, Joe might give you a little something on the Rangers side here. But if his Islanders keep playing the way they're playing, I don't know. He's at MSG. You never know. I don't want to say he might he he might go right now. Like I said, I think Joe's starting. He keeps saying the Islanders, but I think Joe's sitting on the fence a little bit. So we'll see. If he starts red. If he starts wearing red and blue, we know something's up. But uh, definitely check out his show, uh, Coliseum Chronicles. That's uh, Broadway Joe Lozito. Give it Lozito. All right, folks. Um, well, like I said, I, this will be the last episode I talk about it. I think I've talked about it for the last month. Well, probably the last six months because we were trying to sell the condo the whole time. Um, we are officially moved into the house. They have possession of the condo. Um, and that's it. 14 years there. And, uh, and it was a great 14 years. Uh, it was, it's interesting. I don't know as I've gotten older. I don't know. You get softer maybe. I don't know. I was, uh, not that I was crying or anything, but it was just like, no, it was the final night there when, or the final day when we were just cleaning up and, you know, uh, wash the floors and, uh, you know, clean the rugs and did one last kind of tour around, like make sure we got everything, cleaned everything up and, uh, we're just standing at the door ready to lock it and walk away. It was, um, yeah, it just sort of hit me, you know, that's 14 years of my life, um, you know, we went through a lot and, uh, a lot of, you know, we had some ups and downs in there and it was our first, our first place that we ever owned when we got married, moved out of the apartment. And, um, yeah. And, you know, I know some people, they, they get up and move every couple of years and whatever. I don't know. Maybe I, I guess I'm just a creature of habit, I guess. And just, uh, you know, I like to get settled and, and, and everything. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, we had some, we had some friends around there that, you know, we'd, we'd look out for each other. And, you know, if you go check on my house or check on my condo when we're gone and whatever, and we said goodbye to them. And, uh, you know, they were, it was, you know, it was, um, you know, they were happy for us and everything, but sad to see us go. And, and, um, yeah. And then there was other people I was really happy to <laughs> fuck it. I'm never going to see again, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, like I said, it, it was, uh, we're, it's a new adventure in our life. And, uh, and I think I said it in the last episode, uh, for you guys. I mean, I'm sure people are rolling their eyes. Oh, okay. Get on with it and whatever. But, uh, no, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's something new for us and it's a new adventure and we're really excited about it. And I'm, I'm really excited to, like I said, it's the, um, just to have my own space and to not share walls anymore. And to, it was funny, even the last night when we were moving, downstairs guy had his tunes cranked and I had a big smile on my face because I'm thinking I'm never going to have to fucking listen to this again. And, uh, not that I had any, well, these downstairs people I didn't mind, but, uh, but all are banging up and down the stairs the whole time. I can understand why it is tunes cranked. I completely get that. But 
but I was very happy to know that I'm never going to have to hear that again. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, like I said, a little bittersweet to go, but, uh, really excited. We're in, uh, Martinsville now. It's, uh, it's a town about just five, five minutes outside of Saskatoon. It's basically a suburb of Saskatoon at this point. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the block looks really, seems really nice and met a couple of the neighbors already. And, uh, you know, um, I will say, for Sisk- oh, I can't. It was unbelievable how lucky we got to be considering that we're moving at the end of November, and that the weather here has been unbelievable for Saskatoon in late November. I mean, plus, I mean, the American people in Florida and stuff. When I say plus three, plus four, they're like, "Oh my God!" You know, they couldn't imagine. But believe me, for anybody in in Canada or in Saskatchewan or or Manitoba or Alberta listening, they know to get plus five. And plus four in November, at the end of November in Saskatchewan, uh, with no snow or anything is, is very, well, we have some snow, but it's very rare. And, um, so yeah, we, we definitely lucked out. So I think, uh, yeah, everything sort of lined up and even the, well, and then it was funny, even the, well, you guys, when I was ranting and raving my other episode, the pinhead that hit our, hit our SUV in the parking lot, uh, at our old condo. Well, our SUV finally got, uh, you know, went to the body shop and everything else. So, of course, uh, insurance, you got a rental car, uh, you know. So, of course, they try to replace what you already have. Well, my wife, so they're like, oh, no, we'll get you an SUV for the rental and it'll probably be about a week and blah, blah, blah and whatever. Well, my wife's like, well, hey, how about you, can we get a minivan? Can, can you guys like, you know, can we take the seats out of it and stuff like that? Oh, okay, sure. And well, we laughed because back in back in my old car rental days in the early two thousands, we had like Grand Voyagers and stuff. Well, when you took the seats, it was like the, you know, undo the bot the thing, the bars. You got to take the whole bench seat out, right? Well, this shit they just fold right into the floor. It was like okay, well, things have changed a lot in twenty years, but um, yeah. So we basically and that minivan was literally a a godsend at the time. Because that thing, when we were moving, we loaded that thing up, oh, I don't know how many times we drove back and forth from the condo to the house here, delivering, like, making, bringing stuff out here. I mean, we had movers bring the big stuff, but, I mean, we loaded up a lot of boxes and odds and ends and, and uh, yeah, the minivan. So the timing, I mean, I'm still pissed that he fucking caused $5,000 damage to our SUV, but, I mean... I guess if it was going to happen, this, his timing was, was perfect. I guess I'll give him that. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to miss that freaking parking lot, I can tell you. But, yeah, so the wet between the vin- getting the van and the weather, um, that really worked out. And I also want to say, and I know he's a listener of the show, which I greatly appreciate, but he also an outstanding lawyer, uh, Scott uh, Small Print Giroux, um, tremendous job. Uh, he made everything so smooth um get, get well, he didn't have to but he gave us a heck of a deal on the fees and um yeah man i know you're listening and thank you so much for all the work you did and uh i know with the other bank and the other thing it was it was a kind of a bit of a hassle uh we kind of had a bit of a runaround um with the bank and i don't know what was going on but um and their bank i don't know what the whole deal was but uh he eventually got all the paperwork and uh, really sat down with us, took the time, 
uh, explained everything, and it wasn't just sign here, sign here, thanks for coming, you owe me this much. No, he really took the time, broke down what all this means, and blah, blah, blah. No, outstanding. So if you're in the Saskatoon area and you need a lawyer, Scott Giroux, 3rd Avenue, uh, Giroux Law Offices, definitely check it out. Good dude, he's on Twitter. Former SJHL or Weyburn Red Wing, Long Beach Ice Dog. Um, yeah, no, good dude. Uh, really appreciate all that he did for us. And uh, definitely, uh, I keep telling him we got to get him on the show. He's got a few stories. He was telling me a few stories. I'd like to get him on here. Maybe we'll do a, in, a live one. He can come out and see the show and we'll sit down in the office and we'll drink some beer and you can tell some old SJHL stories and some Long Beach stories about playing with Ken Tasker. I think that'd be pretty cool. But uh, no, thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. And, uh, well, I know these guys aren't listening, but I will tell you guys, the friggin' movers, I, that was the best 600 bucks I ever spent. Four hours from, they loaded up the condo to unloaded in the house, and it was funny, they, they show up in the big 24-foot truck, these two skinny little shits get out, and I'm kind of looking at them like, oh, alright, these are the movers, eh? They didn't. They picked up them friggin' box. The one grid grabbed the lazy boy, threw it over his shoulder, and so that's the thing. We're on the second, like, it was a coach home. Like, we all have our own entrances, but ours, we lived upstairs, so you'd come in and then on the landing, and then there's stairs to go up to the second floor. And, um, this kid grabbed that friggin' lazy boy, threw it over his shoulder, and he just, like, ran down those stairs and took it right out to the truck, and they didn't take one break. They just flew. And I'm just like, holy shit, I could, oh, to be young again. I couldn't believe it. But, oh, the work that these kids put in. And, uh, no, it was tremendous. Gave them a good tip. And it was like, man, that was the best money I ever spent. I mean, yeah, they were they were great. Uh, so, uh, what was it? Uh, two, two Little Men with Big Hearts was the name of the moving company. Bracken and Connor were the two, uh, young, young, young kids that, uh, that were the movers, and they were outstanding. And, um, yeah, best money I ever spent. But, uh, anyway, guys, uh, yeah. And I, and I want to thank everybody, Jay and Al. Everybody's been really cool. Chris and uh, um, uh, Yuka and, and everybody. And a lot of, I'm not, lots of people. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to miss your name on purpose or anything. But um, I've just sent the, the, uh, you know, the well wishes and congratulations and all that. And it was, and it was really appreciated. And, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it's, uh, my wife and I are really excited and, uh, yeah, like I said, it's pretty cool. So I'll stop, I'll shut up about it. I mean, I'm sure people are tired of listening to it, but, uh, let's get on with the show. Um, yeah, well, the one thing I, well, I'll get into this list, and like I said, today's episode's not going to be very long, but um, the one thing I wanted to talk about, though, is this, and I've seen it more and more, and I mean, maybe it came up in the old message board days, but I don't really remember, I don't think so, because I think at that point, um, it wasn't new, like people were used to it, um, well, you're all back up, that doesn't make any sense what I'm talking about. But I keep saying, I, like on these fight message boards, um, all these people, like people, well, it's, okay, I'm babbling here, it's word soup. Bob Probert, um, on these fight message boards, 
first of all, the Probert, and I, I'm, I love Bob Probert. He's one of my favorite, if not my favorite enforcer of all time. This is not, has nothing to do with him. This isn't a slight to him or anything. But these, on these message boards, these Probert fanboys are just beyond embarrassing. And they just can't, like, oh, like, it's just excuse, if they, somebody puts up a video of Probert losing, there's an excuse why he lost. And, or else, oh, I guarantee Bobby came back and hammered him the next time. You know, it's just like, shut up. Like, it's just nonstop. Just this Probert nut hugging is just embarrassing. And these are like grown adults. It's like, what do you, you know, it's just embarrassing. Like somebody, uh, somebody had a picture of Tony Twist up and they were just talking about Twist. And then she, this girl chimes in. It's like, uh, Twist never impressed me much. But then again, I grew up in the, in Detroit and saw real men like Probert, Coaster and McCarty. It's like, what are you talking about? Twist never impressed you. It's like, Probert never beat him? Like, for a three or four year span, Tony Twist was like the most dominant fighter in the NHL. Like, what are you, oh, he never impressed me. Like, what are you talking about? And then, and second of all, it's, it's about Twist. It's, why does, like, it's like, it could be a fight with Adam Graves and Todd Gill and all of a sudden, oh, they, they couldn't beat Probert. Probert's still the best. You know, it's just like, why? Or it's the or the classic. Somebody puts up a picture of Scott Parker. Well, I remember when Probert beat the shit out of him. Okay, like I always reply. Well, I remember when friggin' Dave Morissette beat the shit out of Probert. And like, you want to play the stupid game? Like, you know. And it, when you say shit, it's not a slight to Probert. I mean, everyone loses. I don't know. It's just this. Like, I, I, I don't understand this, just this fandom where they just can't, like, like I was saying the other, I think I, I talked about it in the other episode. Somebody put up the Miller-Probert fight, and it was like, oh, Jay did pretty good, but if memory serves me correct, Bobby was at the end of his shift here, and Jay got him. It's just like, what are you talking about? Like, you just, it's just stupidity all the time with some of these, like the one guy going off on me, what was it, I can't even remember what Pinhead's name was. He had three first names, I know that. John Michael something. Oh, and he's going on. And it was the Gates-Probert fight. Oh, and the refs were a good thing it broke it up because, like, you know, Bobby was going to come on and end them. Like, what are you talking Like, Probert it wasn't going to end Link Gates, I could tell you that. And everything Probert threw wasn't going to put Gates down, I could tell you. And Link was with him the whole fight. But he's like, well, still a W for Bob, for the GOAT. I'm like, he didn't win. I'm not saying Gates won either. I'm like, can't you just say it was a good fight? Like, why, why do you have to, why is there this stupid talk all the time? Well, then he's just going on and like, oh, internet tough guy. He's just like, oh, go get your shine box. And like, what? I'm like, well, first of all, dude, if you're listening to this, you're like, by judging by your profile picture, you're about the, you're about the same age as, you look like you're in your 40s. Curve the brim of your hat, put it on straight, and maybe ditch the middle of the mall chain that you're wearing. There, like you're 45 with a crooked hat, like with a sticker on it. Like you look like the angry teen, and you and you type like you're the angry teenager in the food court. Like ooh, Johnny, first name three first name badass here. Like you are the biggest clown, one of the biggest clowns I've ever seen on social media. Oh, 
embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for you. When you typed that shit and I was reading it, I was embarrassed reading it. Seriously. And I told you. Yeah. Oh, you're are you just your big link guy? You're trying to gaslight me. <laughs> what? Like, okay. Oh well, yeah, I don't want to set you off there, killer. Oh, it's like I always wonder with some of these people, just on Twitter, just social media in general. I mean, it's redundant. I know the end, but it's like, do you do you ever just like just read back what you write sometimes? And it, it, I would think that would just embarrass you enough to never do that again. But whatever. But anyway, the the probert nut hugging is just embarrassing. But um, I will. Say, but then there's this opposite reaction to him, where it's like, and I talked about it in another episode with him and Rob Ray, the whole Jersey thing. And I keep seeing it, and I'm seeing it more and more and more. And I never saw it before until I got on these groups. But I think a lot of these people commenting are are. Like, I mean, oh, I didn't go check the demographics of the age. I just sort of looked at their pictures really quick or whatever. But, and I'm just, this is a theory. They talk about, like, somebody will show a video and I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's Probert with the jersey coming off again, giving him the advantage. He always was looking for the advantage. and Or he always had the advantage in all his fights when his jersey came off. And blah, blah, blah. Advantage, advantage, advantage. Well, the way you're writing it, implies that the other guy couldn't do it too. Like only Probert was allowed to get out of his jersey. The other guy had to keep his on. That's the way you're writing it. Which of course isn't true. I mean, everyone knew Probert was going to try to get out of his gear. So this isn't like new shit. Two, at the time it wasn't against the rules. So I don't even know why this is even entering into the conversation, but I guess you're trying to find something to complain about with Probert. You know, I guess it's like I, we got to find the chink in the armor somehow. And a couple got oh, when his jersey stayed on, Probert was at or was a was a what did they what the one guy put? Well, it was with Ray he said it, but with Probert as well. Oh, he was an average to me- mediocre fighter at best when his jersey stayed on. It's like, what? I'm like, okay. Um, I think what's missed up, what's missed a lot is Probert's jersey stayed on quite a bit in his earlier fights. And I believe, and I think Steve mentioned this, um, it was when the, when Crowder got him was when he kind of talked about the really trying to get out of the jersey part and how to work on it. Cause that's, he got stuck. So. If you watch his early stuff, he really didn't... I'm not saying he never did, but he didn't come out of his shit a lot. And uh, But once again, it wasn't against the rules, so... I, like, I don't really understand why this whole topic is being talked about anyway, but... Uh, now, is it cheap or an advantage when the tie-down rule is in and you do it? Yeah, well, yeah. But at the time, there was the rule wasn't in, so... Like, it was a fight with... Somebody put up the fight with Mario Roberge and Probert. No, you know, there's Probert getting the advantage again. Well, Roberge could have taken his off, too. Like, like I said, you keep using this word... You're using the word advantage wrong. Like, uh, or you're at least you're implying it wrong. Um, and like I said, uh, my theory is that I think it's a lot of, like, younger fans that weren't... Like, they weren't 
around at that time, the time period when this was actually happening in the 80s and 90s, like a lot of myself or a lot of older listeners were, um, where we were, like when we first got on fried chicken in the late 90s and those fight message boards, no one ever talked about Ray or Probert. Well, maybe it might have been an odd subject now and again, but it didn't come up. When somebody talked about Ray or Probert or whatever, it wasn't... Um, well, he only won because his jersey came off and that was cheap and whatever. No one talked like that because we all grew up with... Like, everybody talks like Probert. Like, this is new shit with them. Like, they were the ones that did it. Well, O'Reilly, Cochran, all these guys came out of their jerseys. I remember watching Junior. It was like regularly guys came out of their jerseys. So this wasn't new shit when Probert and Ray were doing it. Now, Ray being naked underneath. Okay, well, that that was a little different. But, you know, whatever. But like I talked to the one, was saying to the one guy who kept saying, oh, Probert had the advantage all the time. Well, everyone else had, everybody was doing jersey modifications. Whether it be with the tight sleeve like Dave Brown or the Velcro sleeve or, like I said, Chris Spam or whatever on the jersey, blah, blah, blah. I mean, grooves and helmets. There was, there was always an advantage, guys trying to get the advantage. So as I'm saying this, did, did I talk about, son of a bitch, did I talk about this last episode? Maybe I did. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm chewing my food twice, folks. I, like I said, it's been a long week. I can't, I'm sure I have talked about this before, but, I just I real I saw it recently or just saw it this week again and I was arguing with a guy the other night about it and it's just like like I said I think it's just young people that aren't used to it like when they started getting into hockey or whatever there's a tie down rule so and then this whole idea that oh you have no yeah no it's an advantage because you have to be the one guy's telling me yeah but it's 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 against the code you have to be a respectful warrior. Like, oh, yeah, so now I know how old you are. Because, I don't know, old fight fans don't talk. Like, the amount of, I shouldn't say they, they do, actually, but the amount of people that are so deluded into thinking that there's some code or, oh, there's, on it's a fist fight on ice. And you're trying to gain an advantage for your team, meanwhile, while sending a message. It's nothing about being a respectful warrior and all. Like, just, you buy into this bullshit. Like, what is this, a goddamn night motivational poster? Like, you just buy into this bullshit. Like, I want to sit everybody down. Go watch a Marty McSorley or Dave Semenko video for a while. And, like, figure it out. And, like, they go, oh, Probert was, he was a respectful warrior and all this shit. Oh, he knew. Oh, who's phoning me? Now, what was I saying? Oh, I'm rambling about the Probert thing. Sorry, the phone's ringing there. Um, yeah, it's just this whole respect bullshit and this code and all this. It's just like, but like I said, with Probert, oh yeah, he like friggin' pulled hair, knee, knee lifted, head butted people. Like, it was you, and that's just the way shit was back then. It had nothing to do with, yeah, okay, it was cheap, whatever, but that was the point. You were sending a message. But I said this, this, it's, it's, the bullshit is so ingrained now. I just see it, all the comments, like you watch a fight now, read the comment. oh, what warriors, all oh, the respect after, I love it, oh god, like just, I, I'm, like I said, this is a topic that I definitely want to, I'm going to do a whole episode on the fucking code, I can tell you, but it's just like, 
It's amazing to me. Do you guys not realize how stupid it makes fighting look? No clue. Unbelievable. Like the optics of it. It just makes fighting look ridiculous. And you're just giving ammunition to every anti-fight guy. But these friggin' guys... The, and hey, some of the tough guys themselves can't even see it. They're, they're, they've been brainwashed into thinking this is how it is and this is the role now and whatever. And it's just like, oh, and like, and history's revision, it always is, but like this, like I always laugh, the same guy yelling about respectful and the code and everything else, and, and he's going to picture Wendell Clark for his profile picture. If, if anybody, could you imagine if Ryan Reeves did what Wendell Clark did to like Bob Brook? If, if Ryan Reeves did that now, oh my God, the internet would blow up. But Owen Wendell did, oh, that's the cap, captain, Mr. Leaf. You know, I didn't have a problem with it. I dig, I didn't give a shit. But these same guys that go on and on about the code and the respect and honor and, and all this, like, are you serious? Like, but like I said, the code, yeah, the code, but the, like I said, even the players bought into the bullshit. They bought into it so much that they killed their own role. <laughs> You know, and it's, I'll get into all that. One of these upcoming, actually one of these December episodes. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to do a whole episode on the code and, uh, and just how it led. You want to talk about one of the downfalls of fighting? That's it. And, but yet these fucking bozos on these message boards just don't get it. And like I said, I always say, and I, and maybe people don't understand what I'm saying, but like this, Antiquated, like this Norman Rockwell view of fighting. Just this quaint Mayberry, you know. Is it Mayberry? Is that what the Andy Griffith show was? Like, yeah, just like Smallville or whatever. Like, look at fighting. Like, everything's just so great and perfect. And, oh, just respectful warriors. And just on the on the code, on the field of battle. Like, they just want to... What are we... What, like, what... What are you writing some Shakespearean play? Like, no, it's, it's two fucking guys with no teeth trying to fucking pound each other. Or like you hit one of their guys, I'm going to straighten your shit out. That's what it was. It was Schultz taking a round out of fucking roll from this in the fucking playoffs to give the Flyers the lift. You know, it was fucking Marty hitting Gilmore up high and Clark coming in. Think fucking Wendell gave bum taps a good job, bro, after it was done? Fuck no. They would now. Oh, they'd be fucking, like I said, mutually jerking each other off on Instagram. Oh, I love it, bro. Thanks for the tilly. See you in the summer. Everybody, oh yeah, that's my captain. That's my boy. Oh, fuck. You guys are such fucking dorks. It's unbelievable. Just a bunch of pussies. Like, ugh. And, with, and no clue. No clue. The enforcer role. I was going to say, the fans. But I was going to say, I, I, fuck, I think the majority of the players don't have a fucking clue either. Not a clue. But anyway, stop saying advantage. Because like I said, that implies that only Probert was allowed to do it. Stop saying that. You sound, and you just sound like an idiot. But anyway, we're 40 minutes in. Let's get to this leaf thing. 
Sorry if I've already, like, sorry guys if I've already talked about this. Like I said, at 161 episodes, like I said, I'm sure I'm going to regurgitate shit. I don't remember what I've talked about. Like, I, 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 I mean, I try to do new shit and whatever, but like I said, last while has been just up and down and a gong show, but, so I apologize. I'm sure I've, I know I've ranted about that before, but I guess when it keeps happening, I guess it just keeps like popping into my head, but yeah, no, this, and like I said, I, I guess it's just younger fans. Well, some older fans too, but a lot of younger ones that just don't, they view 80s and 90s fighting. They don't get it. Like they don't, cause I don't, I don't, and I don't expect them to. They weren't alive or they weren't in that time space. They don't understand the mindset around the game at that time. You can watch all the YouTube you want, but you weren't in it. You don't understand it. Even, even in the message board days, you get the vibe and what people were talking about. And the, just the feeling on certain things. Well, fast forward 30 years later, or 20 years later, these young kids, they don't know, right? And they just see it on YouTube and, oh, that's cheap or he isn't that tough. Well, you've watched three fights on YouTube. You know, like, that, the guy had 200 fights. You've seen three. But, well, it doesn't show me much. Oh, okay. Like, that'd be like somebody who's never seen Bob Broward fight, watch his fight with Chris Tamer. Oh, this guy's the supposed goat? Like, you have to do a deep dive and look into someone's career. You know, and then to, to kind of figure it out. But, anyway. I'll get into all that at a later date. But let's get into... The Toronto Maple Leafs 20 Best Fighters in Team History. Written by Adam Davis. Of, what is this? Bleacher Report. Alright. Since their inception in 1917, the Leafs have employed some serious fighters and tough guys. They've had Hall of Fame fighters and brawlers who enjoyed a, sh who enjoyed a short tenure with the blue and white. They were leaders and momentum changers. And most of all, they were exciting players to watch almost every time they jumped onto the ice. A good hockey fight could sometimes be used to shift the way the game is playing out in the NHL. And some of the players on the list know that's all too well. Let's see which guys were important to leave history with their fists as well as their sticks. Alright, here we go. Well, number 20, Rick Vive. Vive is one of those unique players who finished his tenure in Toronto at the top time, all-time list for points and penalty minutes. While he goes down as one of the top leaders that the Leafs ever had, he also knew when to throw down the gloves. Maybe that's what made him a better leader. There you go. Um, yeah, Rick Vive, uh, really solid player. I think he, uh, I, I think he, he did, uh, I don't want to say fair, he did uh, more fighting, I believe, early on in the WHA and early on in his career. I'm by no means a Rick Vive expert. Um, you know, so I should have Farmer Rob on doing this show, is who I should have had on to do this show. Maybe I'll get him back on and we could run this list again and see what he has to say. Because, I mean, he, he could go, um, he could go all day about this. Like, yeah. I hope you're doing good out there on the, riding the tractor there, farm. Well, yeah, I guess he won't be riding. Well, yeah, I guess the tractor cleared the yard and stuff. I was going to say the combine, but he won't be combining anything right now. But, uh, yeah, he'd be into this list for sure. But, uh, number 19, Gary Roberts. I love me some Gary Roberts. Uh, Roberts was a solid player for the Leafs and always had a short fuse. Well, he had some big fights. Fight years early on in his career, he still managed to rough it up, and he played for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, Toronto, it was sort of, he played really well in Toronto. I mean, 
obviously, you know, his big, big years were in uh, Calgary. Um, yeah, power forward, never backed down from anybody, tough guy. Um, yeah, I love Gary Roberts. It's interesting, I think, when the when the term, when people talk about power forwards, it's always like, and, for, and rightfully so, it's like Shanahan and... Um, uh, talk it and Neely and Wendell, but and I think Gary Roberts a lot of times gets left out of the conversation, but he shouldn't be. He should totally be involved in it because um, yeah, he was awesome. Number eighteen, Dion Phaneuf, Captain Dion always had a, had a good fight in him. When he's not impressing the crowd with an insane check or a wicked slap shot, he can drop the gloves and lay a few good hits on unsuspecting opponents. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, like my first introduction, obviously, in the, was in the Western Hockey League to Phaneuf when he was in Red Deer. And then with Team Canada, um, he was unbelievable. Like, I mean, like Scott Stevens, big hitter, um, great great player. Like, when he first came up with Calgary, um, what, he had 20 goals, threw some big hits. I will say when it comes to fighting, um, he wasn't the greatest fighter. He would fight now and again, but he wasn't, he was by no means great at it or anything, but... But a big guy, big hitter. Um, I, I don't know what happened. I mean, I'm sure, you know, some injuries or whatever. But, um, and like I said, I had stopped kind of really watching hockey at that point when he was, I mean, I remember the World Junior, that was early 2000s. I remember that. But, um, like later on when he was, when he got to Toronto and stuff, I didn't watch a lot of the games anymore. But I don't know. May, and maybe I'm up my ass or whatever, but um, he just sort of seemed to fade away. A little bit. Like, he made the big splash in Calgary, I remember. And uh, he had a couple big years. And then he got to Toronto, same thing. But but you're in that spotlight in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, he seemed to fade away. But uh, but, I, but I noticed he just actually officially retired. But he had a great career. and uh, But, yeah, he uh, I'll never forget him and Shea Weber patrolling the blue line in the World Junior team. They were unbelievable. Phaneuf was unreal, for sure. Number 17, Jamal Mares. Uh, one season with the Leafs, Mares had 12 fights. Uh, for a guy who doesn't do, for a guy who didn't do much else on the ice, Mares fighting skills are a reason to have him on your hockey club. Mm, hold on here. Okay, I just wanted to look that up. That's what, actually, I thought Jamal Mares scored more than that. Um, but he had a couple of double digit goal seasons, but for the most part, he looked like he averaged around six or seven fights. So, eh, alright. Or six or seven goals. Uh, number 16, Mike Brown. Well, there was always, there was two Mike Browns, obviously. Both were really tough. Um, and I was a fan of both of them. Uh, I was this kind of a smaller version. This is the middleweight Mike Brown. But he was, man, for some of the young li- listeners out there, if you're not sure who I'm talking about, well, either of them, just type in Mike Brown NHL fights and either the Vancouver one or the Toronto, or the Toronto, San Jose. I can't remember how many teams he played on the other guy. The one we're talking about here with the Leafs. Check out his shit, though. Smaller guy, but a little pit bull. He was, I was a big fan of Mike Brown. Brown was a tough player on the Leafs team when they really needed someone who doesn't give give up on any shift. He fights, he scores, he blocks shots, he had a sweet mustache. What more could you want? Yeah, Mike Brown. Um, I was a big, I was a fan of Mike Brown. Uh, yeah. Number 15, Pat Quinn. Oh, there you go. Old school. Many only remember Pat Quinn chewing gum and shouting from behind the Leafs bench, but he's also has had his share of playing time on Toronto, managed to get into some brawls as well. Quinn only had a few fights while playing for the Leafs, but I can only imagine what the other guy looked like afterwards. Yeah, again, I can remember when Pat Quinn laid out Bobby Orr. I remember that in the garden and the friggin' Boston fans almost rioted. I remember him getting punched by the fans over the glass. I remember that hit. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've probably seen a couple Pat Quinn fights on YouTube, but, um, 
I, I, I can't say either way. I don't know how great of a fighter he was, but he's a big dude, uh, especially for that era. So, um, yeah, well, there you go. Pat Quinn, 15. 14, Shane Corson. Corson played three seasons in Toronto, racked up nearly 20 fights. Uh, really? I thought he'd actually have more fights than that. There's a lot for a guy who really brought in veteran leadership and some scoring skill. Yeah, again, another guy doesn't get probably talked about enough in the in the power forward category, but solid player um, and a tough guy. Like I think um, I think his fighting gets really uh, overlooked. But uh, yeah, of course, was a t- I mean everybody all oh, they show the Karens. Oh, Karens dropped him in the playoffs. That's it. Well. Eric Cairns should drop Shane Corson. We'll put it that way. It's a little bit of a friggin', uh, you know, it's sort of the middleweight versus the super heavyweight guy. The fact that Corson even fought him shows you all you need to know about Shane Corson. Um, but yeah, tremendous player. And Chris, Regina, my boy, get a hold of me, man. It's been a long time. I want to talk to you again. Old people remember old Corson, 27 from the message board. Um, the name of Chris, he's a really good guy. And uh, I miss talking to him. But uh, Chris, if you're out there, I hope you're doing well, man. Get a hold of me. Number 13, Brian McCabe. McCabe wasn't over his quick slap shot in blue line while playing in Toronto. He had a ridiculous signature hip check that sent players flying when they took offense to it. He knew what to do with his fist. Yeah, McCabe played for a long time. Again, another guy I remember from the Western Hockey League playing in Medicine Hat. Um, yeah, solid player, great career. Um, big hitter, would mix it up. You know, I mean, was he... King Kong with the gloves off? No, but I mean, certainly, you know, gritty friggin' blue liner that is missed in today's game, I can tell you that. I was, I always liked Brian McCabe. Uh, number 12, Darcy Tucker. Yeah. Tucker was the kind of player who wouldn't take any shit for, well, crap from anybody. He scored big goals and got involved in scrums. Well, not putting up huge fight numbers, Tucker had to share brawls and usually came out on top. Yeah, Darcy Tucker, man, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'd have him ahead of like Gary Roberts or anything, but, um, yeah, feisty, feisty little shit, and uh, awesome, put up awesome numbers in junior. Um, yeah, let's just, you know, I'll just throw those out while we're talking here. But yeah, I mean, some people, you know, I'm sure if people weren't Leaf fans, I mean, they probably hated Darcy Tucker, but I mean, he was outstanding to watch play. I mean, so exciting, and I mean, um, I think probably a lot better player than uh, people gave him credit for. Um, yeah, just looking at his stats, played 947 career games. Yeah, 476 points. You know, um, yeah, a couple 20 goals. Uh, one, well, how many? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five 20 goal seasons. You know, um, you know, undersized guy would run around, but yeah, always involved. Uh, yeah, I don't, I like Darcy Tucker, but man, when he was in Kamloops there on those big Kamloops teams that were winning Memorial Cups, yeah, the one 66 games, 52 goals, 88 assists. 140 minutes. The next year, 64 games. 64 goals, 73 assists for 137 points, 94 minutes and penalties, and then 31 points in 21 playoff games. Yeah, he was unbelievable in Kamloops. Um, yeah. I'm down with, I, hey, I'm down with, uh, Tucker, man. He was alright. I wish you still, I wish guys are like that still around, you know? Uh, Pat Boutet. Well, there you go. I, to be completely, uh, Honest, um, I don't I don't know much about this cat. Butet's rookie year with the Leafs, he squared off for 16 fights. He never had much, he never had such an intense season for the rest of his career, but still managed to get into his shared bouts. In any case, 16 fights as a rookie is straight out impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, let's I, here. I, I I believe he played in Pittsburgh as well, did he not? Let's trust the old hockey DB. Let's have a look here. 
No. Uh, yeah, the joys of... T- Copy it and paste. Damn it. Oh, it's... Uh, the joys of podcasting here. The real professional uh, setup we got going here. Um, yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh. I remember that guy. Yeah, he had the, he had the Spaceballs helmet. Um, 5'8", 175. So he wasn't really big. Yeah, he put up big pin numbers, though. Oh, Pittsburgh, 230 minutes. How do I not know this guy? I mean, I'm sure I've seen his fight. I mean, I've seen him fight. But, yeah, I guess I just oddly just didn't pay any attention. Um, so, pardon me, folks. Uh, I, I'll be... I'll be completely honest. That one, I know I, everyone on this list, but that one threw me for a curve. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not going to comment any further on this gentleman. Number ten. Well, now I can't comment on this guy. Number ten, Jay Rosehill, averaged over three penalty minutes a game in his career. Rosehill is a definition of an instigator. Never shies away from a good fight. Coming off seven fights last. Oh, this is in 2011. This was written so. Uh, seven fights last season. It'd be a solid sidekick to Colt Nor. Yeah, I was a big Jay Rosehill fan. Um, really, really fun to watch fight. Uh, I know he had some, had some tilts over there in the UK and stuff. Um, didn't play long in the NHL. Yeah, 117 games um, with Philly and Toronto. Um, but yeah, I was I was a big Jay Rosehill fan. Um, you know, out from out here in Alberta, uh, played in the old Alberta Junior League with Olds. And, uh, you know, battled it out in the, in the American Hockey League for a while. Then the NHL, and then I know he played uh, a couple of years in the UK and then called it a career. But, um, yeah, big dude, uh, could throw. Um, one of those guys, I think, that just, um, you know, through the sands of time just sort of gets lost. You know, wasn't around for very long. Um, but, yeah, I like Jay Rosehill. He was badass. He had some good fights. Number nine, Todd Gill. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Gill's the 28 force on the lease. He's fought every season when he played for them. The highlight was a fight tenure in Toronto. 12 fight campaign in 87, 88. Um, yeah, Todd Gill, another guy, completely underrated fighter. Um, you know, wasn't the biggest guy. Didn't look imposing, but could throw left, he could throw with both hands, lefties. Actually, if you go to my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, um, a really great fight, speaking of, is, uh, Gary Roberts and Todd Gill. Tremendous fight. Another really good fight is Todd Gill and Shane Jurla. That's a good one too. But yeah, Gill played forever with the Leafs. That, you know, just sandpaper back there on the blue line. I'm a massive Todd Gill fan. Number eight, Rob Ramage. Yeah, played uh, two seasons in Toronto, even though he fought 12 times. Leaf captain, led by example, never backed down. Yeah, Rob Ramage, of course, you know, started in Colorado. Um, yeah, had a great career. Uh, again, one of those just sandpaper blue liners. Um, yeah, what what is there? What more can you say about Rob Ramage? But yeah, just um, I think when you when you say the say, the definition sandpaper D man, it would be Rob Ramage. Number seven, Chris King. King came to Toronto near the end of his career, but he showed the fans he thoughts of fighting him three seasons, thirty eight fights. Not too bad for a guy who's already in his thirties when he showed up. Yeah, I mean, again, another guy undersized, um, was around the league for a while, made probably his biggest impression was when him and he and Ty Domi got traded to the Winnipeg Jets and made that huge impact on that team. And of course, uh, William and I talk about, uh, that, their impact on the Jets a few episodes back. Um, I had a lot of fun talking to William. He's a lifetime Jets fan, lived in Winnipeg, and, uh, he talks about the whole phenomenon of, King and Domi coming to town, the king in his corridor, 
And, um, but yeah, King was one of those, I was, he was a good sidekick guy. It's not, I'm not, you know, meaning it as a slight or a bash to Chris King, but, but he was, he was, he was a, a shotgun guy. And, um, yeah, and then he would step up and fight. He wasn't a heavyweight, but he'd step up and do it. But yeah, threw some big hits and, uh, was shit always going down. I'm down with Chris King. Number six, Colt Nor. Uh, it's one badass hockey player. He fought 23 times his first season in Toronto. He only played a half a season the next year and fought 13 times. Yeah, I mean, what is there to say about Colt Nor? One of the biggest punchers, um, in Reese, in probably in, you know, you could put him up there in one of the hardest punchers. Um, fought wide open. I was a fan of Colt Nor ever since his rookie year in the Western Hockey League in Swift Current. Um, I watched him grow up and uh, played in the NHL, you know, had a great NHL career. Um, I mean, I don't have to sell Colt Nor to anybody listening. You guys know Colt Nor. Um, if you actually, like I said, if you want to go and uh, look past his um, um, NHL fights, I have a lot of his fights on my YouTube channel from the Western Hockey League. Some great fights with Grant McNeil. Ryan Jordy, oh, go watch those fights. Unbelievable, just toe-to-toe. Um, I actually have his very first Western Hockey League fight on there. Um, so, on my channel, so check it out. Some great, one of the best hockey fights ever was him and Josh Gratton in the American Hockey League in Philly when uh, Orr was playing for Providence. Outstanding. That fight's on there. Oh, some of his AHL fights. <sighs> Unbelievable. I have a really good 5DS Colton Orr set, and uh, it's tremendous. And, uh, yeah, he was, there is one of my all-time favorites. I'm a massive Colt Nor fan. And, uh, yeah, outstanding. Number five, Wendell Clark. I'm interested to see who they got number one with Warren Clark and them being up here. Uh, yeah, well, fought 23 times as a rookie, followed up with 29 in his sophomore year. Yeah, scoring 30 goals, fighting every heavyweight, Probert and all those guys. I broke Wendell's season down a couple episodes ago in his rookie year, but, one of my all-time favorite players, Sask Boy. I mean, played for the Blades. Um, unbelievable. Um, undersized. Didn't give a shit. Uh, and another guy, I mean, like I was saying, with all these people yelling about the code and all this shit, Wendell never bought into your bullshit code. When he was going to fight, it was time to fight. Didn't matter if it was uh, time to, if you thought it was time to go or not, you were fighting. You were in one, as they would say. And didn't back down from anybody and... Uh, I always say on YouTube, there's a video, Wendell Clark, it's called All Heart, and it's done to uh, uh, Hero of the Day by Metallica. You watch that four-minute video, you'll run through a wall by the, when after that video is done. Um, Wendell Clark, outstanding. Number four, Bob McGill. McGill started off his career with 23 fights. He continued his time in Toronto, included more than 50 fights. Yeah, I mean, they call him Big Daddy McGill. Um, I was a big fan of Bob McGill. Uh, solid, just a solid uh, blue, again, solid blue liner, take on everybody. Um, you know, was he the heavyweight champ? No, but I mean, good fights with Probert. Um, took some shots, but uh, I know he had some recent, he had a heart attack there, but he's bounced, seems like he's bounced back, which is good to hear. No, I was a big fan of Bob McGill. I mean, you know, how could you not be? Uh, just one of those solid, you know, those solid 80s blue liners. That was back there. Would play the body, play tough in front of the net, glassing out. And if and if someone needed to be straightened out, he was there. I mean, yeah. What more is there to say? Number three, Wade Belak. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, you know the late Wade Belak. It's a sad story, but uh, 
in his during his playing days. Again, I watched him grow up. Um, you know, he, he and I are, are the same age, so it was um, it was interesting watching him develop with Saskatoon Blades, and uh, you know, from six, 17 year old uh, redheaded uh, big kid uh, fill out, get drafted in the first round by Quebec, and then go on to have the NHL career he had it was really cool. Met him a couple times, really nice guy. Um, sad to see what happened to him, obviously. Um, but uh, during his playing days, one of the toughest dudes. Uh, got better and better. Um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the best. I went back and it was, I don't know what I was watching. Was, was it was a montage, but it was, I watched, I ended up just watching a bunch of Wade's fight. I mean, I'd seen him a million times, but um, maybe it was a DVD. I had a Black DVD, an old one. Uh, there's no one I'd like to get updated. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it shows him in Colorado, just starting out, you know, is what's the saying is, Cornette likes to say, puppy with big paws. Um, he wasn't getting beat up, but it wasn't, his fights weren't great. Like they were kind of hogging each throw a few and he was learning, right? And, uh, just a big kid learning, growing into it. And, uh, yeah, but by the time, you know, Calgary started kind of putting it together, still can't believe Calgary let him go. But, uh, he ended up in Toronto and boom, it took off and, uh, got confidence and he was solid, man. And I was talking about Brashear and The Rock. I mean, of course he caught Brashear. When he was in Nashville, he caught him right towards the, kind of the end of his career. He dropped Verschier. Um, but he always did really well against Laroc and had some solid fights with Probert. And, uh, yeah, Belak was the man. Uh, number two, Ty Domi. Domi's number two. That's interesting. I would have put... Somebody... Now, just kind of... Brief, I'm thinking about... If I was talking about the number one fighter in the Leafs, I would have put Domi in number one. But number two, so I'm, I haven't scrolled down. I haven't seen a number... I kind of have a feeling who number one is, but I think we all do, but... Uh, Domi, yeah, I mean, NHL's all-time fight leader, um, you know, what, what is there to say about Ty Domi? I mean, I can't, uh, there's not much more I can say, um, undersized, but fought everyone, his fight card is second to none, um, very rarely lost, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say he had, like, all these massive knockouts and whatever, but, he had his technique, and he'd take a few and laugh at you and throw some back. And he had that spinorama kind of fight, you know. Well, when you're five foot nine or whatever, I mean, you gotta, you're not gonna be a toe to toe guy when you're fighting Probert and all these guys. But he fought everybody. His fights with Rob Ray, that series with the, I think, would they have 13, 14 fights? That was unbelievable. I think he fought Probert 10 times. I mean, I mean, everybody talks about the first couple, but they fought again a bunch of times when Domi was in Toronto and Probert was in Chicago. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Domi, man, he was, he's a legend, one of the all-time, I, you know, I'd have him in the top, yeah, I'd probably put him in the top, I mean, it's interesting, but that's the thing, when you talk about enforcing, I mean, when he was around, I mean, Sundin and those guys didn't get messed with, so, I mean, he was, he was a tremendous uh, enforcer, he knew his role, and he always, he performed it right to the end, some guys fade away and fizzle out, but Domi was, you know, did it for so long, and and was consistent every year. And, uh, yeah, he had, he had staying power, man. Love him or hate him. I mean, he got better with age. He was like fine wine, man. And, uh, at first, I know I was growing up when he first came up. I was, I hated Domi. I was not a Domi guy. He started growing on me when he got to Winnipeg. Uh, then in Toronto, 
that was when I was still living with my buddy Mike, and we watched tons of Leaf games, and he just grew on me after that. And no, I'm a big Ty Domi fan, and um, yeah, he was. He, pff, I'd have, he'd be my number one Leaf guy. Who is number one here? I kind of have a feeling. Yeah, Tiger Williams. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, Tiger's the only only played five seasons in Toronto, but managed to earn his reputation. He had multiple twenty fight seasons. He fought over thirty He fought thirty four times, almost once every two games he played. Tiger went on to post some huge fight totals when he left Toronto as well. But yeah, but and again, um, I think in the we never see Tiger Williams. Of course, he's the NHL's all time penalty minute leader and and all that. But I think what what gets lost on um, on everybody is how good Tiger Williams really was. I mean, again, you want to talk about power forwards? I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at his career. Yeah, 962 games. Of course, 3900 penalty minutes. I mean, that's what everybody talks about. But what doesn't get talked about, 513 career points. I mean, you look at Toronto, 10, 21, 18, 19, 19, 22. Uh, then he gets to Vancouver at 35, 17, 15, 20 with LA. Um, you know, like those are some big um, uh, point totals. Even I'm just looking at his junior season. His final year in junior, Swift Current, 66 games. He had 52 goals, 100 points, 300 minutes. I mean, Tiger could play, and uh, I think that often gets overlooked. And um, but yeah, tremendous player. Um, and again, fight cart fought everyone, um, never backed down. Um, again, was was Tiger the greatest fighter? No, um, he's a bit of a wrestler. Um, but I mean, whatever you did, you know, everyone has a style, and I mean. Yeah, no, he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't PJ Stock. He wasn't going to be a thrill, you know, he wasn't a video fighter, but, uh, did the job, did a, did a, played the role, fearless. Um, yeah. Hey, what is there to say? What more is there to say about Tiger Williams? So there you go. There's your, uh, according to the Bleacher Report, the top 20 all time, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So I, you know, I, normally I could, I, I kind of take the piss out of these lists, but, uh, I mean, everything's interchangeable. I mean, I would have some, I would have maybe changed the names around and the ranking positions, but the all, pretty much all the names they threw out, I mean, it, I, I can't really argue with them. I mean, they were all tough dudes. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Rick Vibe or whatever. I mean, okay, but I mean, but even then, I mean, you know, he, you know, he was at 20, he wasn't number three or anything. Um, yeah, I don't think there was anything really egregious about the list or anything. So, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty solid list actually for the for the Leafs and and the thing is when you do lists like that, it's like because they had like you know Baumgartner's with the Leafs and it's like Chase with the you know, but you have like guys that kind of briefly come through town. It's like, well, do they count or are we just kind of looking at their Leaf time or you know? So it's always you know like I mean Baumgartner could be in a top ten Leaf list if you want to like best fighter. Okay, well, is it best fighter for a career or best fighter with that team? You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, but for the sake of just talking and, and bullshitting like fight fans, I mean, I always enjoy these lists and, I mean, they are what they are and, I mean, you know, I don't I don't think we need to, to riot and, you know, pick a bleacher report for writing stupid lists. Now, some of the lists, I mean, they throw out a name or two and it's like, holy shit, like, Really? Like it, it start, you know, some some of them get a little silly with some of the stuff they put in there, but uh, you know, like with Washington Capitals, they're putting all of Colzig in there and stuff. It's like, come on, now, 
I mean, with this, with the leaf one, we're going to put pot bed in because he beat up Hextall, like, you know, shit like that. But, uh, so this leaf, this list wasn't too bad compared to some of the ones I've done. But, uh, no, I always enjoy doing these lists. They're a lot of fun. So, and I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, listening to them. So, but anyway, guys, that's been an hour. Surprised I got an hour. I know I, I think I rambled about a lot of the same shit and I apologize. Like I said, uh, everything's kind of been chaotic here in the last, um, you know, well, to be completely honest, in the last month and a bit. So, um, I apologize for that, but, uh, slowly getting back on track here and, uh, we'll be back to normal here in the next little bit, next couple of weeks when everything's unpacked and we're settled in and, you know, working and getting on with our lives and, and all that type of thing. And I can, I'll, uh, I'll be a lot more focused for you guys. And I, I think the, cause I'm like, I don't lie. I mean, the show has suffered and I mean, some of these episodes have been, have, in my mind, in my opinion, have not been great. And, uh, and that's all on me. So, um, I just ask you to bear with me, but, uh, I, I, I want to, I'm going to come back. I'll make the big comeback here. I, I, like I said, I, I have some pretty cool shit planned with some cool guests and, uh, we'll get back in the groove here shortly. But, uh, anyway, guys, I'll wrap it up for this returning Wednesday and, uh, yeah, I guess we'll get into December and the holiday season, and I will be uh, back talking to you guys on Sunday. All right, everybody, have a good rest of the work week, and I'll talk to you soon. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?